Welcome back to How to Tickle Yourself, a podcast about the miracle of existence. I am your host, Duff McDonald, along with my co-host, Joy of Rockledge. Hello. In every episode, we and our guests try to seek out and grab hold of the tickle of our true selves. By sharing stories about the great things in life, we hope to point the way to the goal of all goals, the source of infinite bliss, the supreme reality itself. Maybe we'll find it someday. In the meantime, we hope at the very least to inform and entertain with conversations that hover at ratings approaching 100%. At How to Tickle Yourself, we are always dancing our way through life. <laughs> All of which brings us to today's guest, Emma Levant. Emma is a professional ballet dancer and singer from Orange County, California. She trained at the Long Beach Ballet Academy from the age of six until she graduated into the corps de ballet of the California Ballet in San Diego at the age of 20. Her dancing career was founded on soloist and principal roles in various full-length ballet productions, including Dewdrop in Sugar Plum Fairy in The Nutcracker, Kitri in Don Quixote, Signets in Swan Lake, and The Autumn Fairy in Cinderella. But that wasn't enough for Emma. She's also taken acting classes at South Coast Repertory. She spent summers furthering her dance career, her dance training and artistry with American Ballet Theater, School of American Ballet, The Rock School, and Alonzo King Lines. Emma competed in the international ballet competition called Youth America Grand Prix for six consecutive years, winning first and third in the classical category and progressing to the New York Finals. While dance remains an integral part of her life, she's also been drawn towards the world of musical expression. She learned to sing by copying her favorite artists on the radio and participating in school choirs. See, people? Everyone can do it. She's delved into songwriting and has begun creating original music. She's released one EP, a single, and multiple collaborations, and is currently working on her next EP slated for release next year. Check her out on Spotify. She's got a couple of gems on there including a song called Gems. You should also, if you're, if you're sitting in front of your computer on your phone right now, check her out on Instagram, Emma X Levant, L-E-V-A-N-T dot com. So you can see who we're talking to. Uh, and she's got a lot of her music on there as well. Emma has obviously taken the non-linear path to life. She has followed her tickles, which brings me to how we know her. One of the few people to read Tickled and actually reach out to me about how much she enjoyed it in the last few years. We wanted to have here on have her on the show so we can talk about me and my book and not her. <laughs> Just kidding. Welcome to the show, Emma. It's great to have you. Thank you for having me. It's an honor to be here. The present moment, traveling town to town, the mystery of emotion, right here, right now, right here, right now, whoa, right here, right now. Tickles. Tickles, tickles, tickles. So I have a question about tickles. Like, All right. uh, so 
ballet is notoriously hard on your body and like on your mind and self-esteem and all of those things. So how do you focus on, uh, on the tickle of it when there are all of those other things around? Through 14 Ooh, grueling years. Yeah, it's That's cool. a loaded question. Like you hit it right <laughs> on the nose. There is like a lot of heaviness to ballet. And I mean, I grew up just doing it my whole life. So I think growing up, I had a massive love-hate relationship with it. I would definitely mm-hmm. go through phases. Overall, I'm not a consistent person. <laughs> Being an artist, we hardly ever are, I would say. So like, I feel like there were times where I was just totally in love with it and wanted to work hard and like get the next role, get cast in the next production and something that I really wanted. So I'd go through phases of really working hard, like wanting to advance to the next level. And then there were other phases where I'd make excuses like, the tights are itchy and I don't want to put my hair in a bun and I don't want to go to class. And I was, if you, if you ever, I mean, not that you would ever meet my teachers, but (laughs) um, if you were to talk to my teachers, they would probably tell you how bad of a kid I was. I was like so insubordinate in class, like did not pay attention. Always had like my back turned to the teacher because I was like that kid that would pick up the exercise really fast and then like be bored. Like I needed a lot of stimulation as a child and I didn't follow directions well. (laughs) um but yeah I I think they probably thought I was like a horrible student but I didn't want to work hard I didn't want to work hard in classes no there was that's okay there 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 definitely was I think the biggest source of passion for me within dance was like the first time I stepped on a stage I remember I was um I had my first role in the Nutcracker and I was cast as Mother Ginger, which is like the little kids that come out of the woman's skirt. She flips mm-hmm. them up and they run out and they're mm-hmm. like, <laughs> <laughs> um, and I remember being so afraid because it was my first time performing in front of that many people. We always did our shows at the Long Beach Performing Arts Center in downtown Long Beach. And that's like a 3000 seat feet, uh, 3000 seat theater. And I was six and I was nervous. And then I went on stage and we did the dance and I got off and I just like, felt my first just full rush of adrenaline. And I was like, Oh my God, I love performing. I'm meant to be on stage. This is what I want to do. So the, the tickle came from knowing that I was eventually going to be like back on a stage. We had like a lot of performance opportunities throughout the year to like showcase our like stage presence on stage. And that was definitely my favorite part. My least favorite part was like showing up day in day out and like the grueling repetition of ballet classes and like bar and center and I was so tired of that like I was like why do we have to repeat things like I don't get it I just want to learn more so the tickle came from I guess like the deepest form of like self-expression which for Mm -hmm. me is like on a stage and knowing that that was like the reward for all the rehearsals and all the classes getting to go back and just like perform for an audience and just like leave it out there on the stage like that's like my earliest memory wow (laughs) So yeah, it's tough. It's really tough. Like there is such a dark side to it. I definitely went through like body image issues. I still have body dysmorphia and I don't even dance full time anymore. And that's just like really tough. And I saw a lot of my friends go through that stuff too. Like a lot of my friends actually quit in like the, the really important teenage years. Like I feel like 12, 13, when your body starts to develop as a woman and you're just unhappy with how you look and like paired with you look in a mirror every day, picking out your flaws. Like that is what ballet is. You're, I think it's that just, happens even if you're not in ballet. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely. Lots of women. <laughs> yeah. But you're just like picking out details that you want to fix about yourself. So mm-hmm. it definitely takes you down like a really dark mental place. 
that I think like a lot of dancers can relate to. But for me, I ended up sticking with it, um, even though I wasn't sure that I wanted to. Um, you mentioned that like I started taking acting classes, which I did. I was like, oh, I want to be an actress. Like, I definitely know that I want to be in the performing arts. I maybe want to get an agent out of school. Like, I, I don't want to do ballet. And then I took a gap year. Um, and that was when I competed one of my last years with Youth America Grand Prix. Um, and then I was like, you know what? I feel like if I don't try to become professional and do these auditions that I'm going to hold that regret with me for the rest of my life if I don't mm -hmm. ever get to do that. Because I, I really just like sacrificed my childhood to become like the ballet dancer that I was. And I felt like if I didn't try to become a professional with it for just even at least a few years, that it would be the bane of my existence. Not really, but <laughs> it would make me sad. So I, I knew I had to try. And so you, you ended up dancing professionally. So yes. take us through, take us through from that moment to now. From dancing professionally till now? Yeah, like, so you so you became a professional ballet dancer, and now mm -hmm. here we are. So take us through the, the sort of top lines of the journey. Okay. So, um, so yeah, I ended up getting into the corps de ballet, uh, the California Ballet in San Diego. San Diego is where I live now. I'm originally from Orange County. Um, and I was with them for three seasons, and mm -hmm. that was when I got to do those, like, fun soloist roles. I got to do the Autumn Fairy and Cinderella. And then the very last year before COVID hit, uh, COVID. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, <laughs> uh, that was when that was kind of like the height of my career. I would say I got to finally do like the Sugar Plum Fairy at the Civic Theater in downtown San Diego, which was definitely the highlight of my career. I was like shitting myself so nervous beforehand, <laughs> like so bad. <laughs> but um, it was definitely something that I'm so glad that I got to do before like COVID shut everything down. Um, yeah, I would say like, so the very first year, sorry, I'm so nonlinear. <laughs> the very first year, uh, my very first production as a professional was Swan Lake, which is my favorite ballet. And it's always been my favorite ballet. Like ever since I was a little girl, I would just listen to the score like in my room <laughs> and it would just give me chills because like, it's just so beautiful. Um, and I got to do one of the four little swans, which is like one of the signets. And that was like totally highlight of like, wow, I can't believe I made it into the professional world of ballet and I get to do my favorite ballet. And that was crazy. Um, and then we did like the Great Gatsby, but I had like a small role later that year. And the next year um, was when I got to do the Autumn Fairy and Cinderella. And, I, and this was like a new production that um, we had a new artistic director come in. Um, his name was Jared Nelson. And he set this new Cinderella on us, like new choreography. And he choreographed this solo around me and like what I was good at as a dancer. And it was very like fast and spit fiery. I was the autumn fairy. So it's like fall. And I was wearing like reds, oranges, and browns. And the music is very just like really epic. And like, I don't even know how to explain it, but just it's fast. And you're, there's a lot of, there's a lot of dancing and it's very quick footwork and it's very precise. And it's that, that's the kind of dancer I am. I'm, I'm very small. I'm only five feet tall. So, um, I'm a really good, like fast mover and jumper, like quick footwork, precision kind of dancer dancer. So, um, he said that on me and I had a lot of fun and I felt like I was really pushed in that role. It pushed me to be a better dancer. Um, and I always get so nervous before I go on stage to do roles like this because I'm like the only one on stage and it's like a big deal and I care <laughs> a lot about what I'm doing. So of course I want it to go well. Um, and it went well, I mean, as well as any live performance can go. We, I think we had like three shows and 
I think as I progressed through like my professional career, I became more of like a consistent dancer where, you know, every show there's going to be like something small that happens that like you, you messed up or like you gotta, something, you gotta there was let a technical it go. issue. It's live. Right. it's live. It's live. So you got to go with it. And you really just got to let it go. Like you can't take anything too seriously because it happens. And then that moment is like not the present moment anymore. And then you just got to <laughs> move on. So, um, all in all, that was like a really great moment for me. And then the following season, we had the Nutcracker. That's when I did Sugar Plum Fairy. Uh, and that was awesome. And then COVID hit the following March. Everything shut down. And I actually took a very long break from ballet. Um, about two years, I would say. I, I, I didn't even take a single dance class. Like, I've been dancing since I was three. And I just completely stopped. I kind of experienced a lot of burnout because as a ballet dancer, you're rehearsing like six hours, six days a week. So it's like a full-time job and you're not getting paid that much. You're doing it because you love it. And I had to have like two other jobs on the side, like teaching. And I was also like hostessing at the cheesecake factory. Wow. (laughs) Um, Not the vibe, you know, (laughs) 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 but you got to do what you got to do, you know? So, um, yeah, over COVID totally took a massive break creatively with like the dancing side. And, um, that was when I was like, Oh, you know, so I've sung my whole life. I've been writing since I moved to San Diego, which was in 2017. So it was like three, three years already. I guess I started writing like senior year of high school. So it was maybe like four or five years by then, but it was always really like secretive. I didn't share with people that I did music. I was always known as a dancer and it was very private that I sung because I struggled a lot with stage fright. I couldn't sing in front of people. Like I couldn't sing in front of my family. Couldn't sing in front of friends. I couldn't even sing you in like, could, front of you one could person. You could dance in front of three, a few thousand people and you can't S- sing in singing, front of anyone? Singing is really, really vulnerable. Singing, it's you so are vulnerable. very vulnerable. Even more like I acted for a little while and I sang a tiny bit, but singing, it, you are way more exposed when you're singing than when you're doing 100%, anything else. 100%. And I always say this to people. It's like, dancing you're using your body as a vessel like you're using a medium for self-expression but when it comes to your voice there's no barrier between you and your soul like that's you <laughs> like 100 percent. and for me that was just such a vulnerable place to be because i also feel like just growing up like maybe I almost like hid behind who i was as a dancer like people mm. told me i had like such an amazing stage presence and all this stuff but it's like i was channeling who i was through my body so people could feel an emotion and the singing thing was always for me. It was like always something when I was going through something, I would use it as like a vent and it really helped me get like my aggressions out. So singing in front of people was just like a thousand times more vulnerable and so, so scary. I like couldn't do it. So it was a secret. Um, and I knew like, I want to be an artist. I want to be a performer. So eventually at some point, like in my mind, you know, planning your five-year, 10-year plan, you're like, oh yeah, I'm going to do professional ballet for like a few years we'll see where it goes. Maybe I'll get into another company. And then, you know, I want to eventually transition into being like a musician, like a singer. I want to do the artist thing. I want to be like a recording artist. Like I I have really big dreams. Like I don't want a small, a small life. Like it's like, I want to get signed. I want to travel. I want to tour. I want to do all these like crazy things that like to my immediate family and circle of friends is like completely unthinkable and like impossible, but I'm a dreamer. So Vulnerability. <laughs> That's where you, you get all the good stuff when you're vulnerable, uh, right? It opens you up to life and yeah. to what it has to 
or where it wants to take you, right? Yeah. So where has it taken you so far? Singing. Um, singing. Okay. So, so far, the so, so fast forward over COVID, I was like, let me try to like do the artist thing. I'm going to transition into music. And I released my first EP over COVID. I shot my first music video, which was a lot of fun. Um, it was, I, I worked with like a friend of mine at the time to produce this EP. But for the most part, I like, it was all like, I was the one who organized the music video. It was all done by myself. Like I didn't really have like a solid team. I was just trying to like make my way and figure it out kind of. So that was when I did my first release. And honestly, like kind of self-sabotaged. Like I, I almost feel like over that time, I wasn't ready in my personal journey to like fully believe in myself as an artist. I was like just trying it out. So I was like, I want to put this EP out because I want to be an artist. And then in doing so, like I had, it was actually like looking back such a dark place mentally for me <laughs> because I truly did not believe that I did it. Like that I could do it. I like didn't love myself at the time and didn't feel like I had like really a support system that was like, you got this, you can actually do this. Like you're talented. I felt like it was all kind of within me, like my own little pipe dream. So then when the EP dropped, I like promoted it for two days or something. I ran like YouTube ads on my music video for like a week maybe. And then I just stopped. Like I didn't fully promote the EP because I felt like in a way it didn't even deserve to be heard. Like I didn't wow. feel like I was good enough for people to listen to it and think it was good. And also I really got caught up in like the stupid Instagram algorithm numbers and the followers. <laughs> like I'm like promoting my EP and it gets like a hundred likes. I'm like, I don't know why I'm doing this. This is stupid. I don't know why I thought I could do this. You you came face to face with the precision paradox. <laughs> Wait, refresh From my memory on that one. The searching for the meaning in the numbers. When, yeah, you, when we there. get we get sucked into quantification as if it is the it is going to give you the answer. What is the answer? What is the number? There is no number that's the answer. And yet we're so busy looking at numbers, <laughs> especially with social media all the time. I just said to Joey this morning, <laughs> I was like, I'm getting my new audible pieces getting like one review every day. I'm a big wheel now. <laughs> there's like 30, there's 30 reviews, right? But, and I'm mm -hmm. counting them for no reason. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's hard. Our society values numbers and it's really hard to break away from the tribe, even if you don't agree with it, you know, let's, let, let, let's I, talk, let's talk tickled for a second. Let's talk tickled. Okay. Um, you, you got in touch, like I said at the beginning, because you read it and, um, you know, it came out late 2021. So in the middle of, uh, of your own transition, right? It was COVID spurred the book for me. Uh, what did it, what, what did you get from it that um, resonated enough to actually contact me? Well, so like I mentioned, I was having a really tough time, like believing in myself and believing in like my personal path as an artist or just my life path. Um, and so funny, I have to tell you the story of how I found your book. Please. Um, so I was in Minnesota with my boyfriend at the time. Um, we were visiting his family and, um, I've always had like a little thing for those like community book 
you know, like you'll be in your neighborhood and there's one of those like community book, little, little houses where you can just like grab a book, leave a book. Oh, no way. Yeah. <laughs> that is how I found your book. Okay. Okay. So, so I was like, I went on a little walk. Um, and we, we road tripped out there and this was like the summer of 2022. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so recently after like you wrote it too, is when I found it, which is funny. Um, but I was still kind of like on this path of like self doubt. I had like, I call her the inner bitch. <laughs> <laughs> We're familiar with the voice. I'm sure. We all know her. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, and I was at the point where I was like writing letters to her, like dear inner bitch, you will not wow. t- be taking over me. <laughs> like I was really struggling. Like I, yeah, a lot of self doubt. I've always struggled with a lot of self doubt, which I will definitely draw all the way back to like my life growing up in ballet. Like, <laughs> That, that's what it does to you. You're mm-hmm. like, you're just very hard on yourself, like lots of perfectionism. Anyway, um, so we kind of went out there to visit his family, but also for me, I was looking at it as like a, you know, restart, refresh, recharge away from my life. Maybe I can like find myself a little bit more, like work on myself. Because to me, like every little trip I take is like a chance to do that. Mm-hmm. So I was on my little walk and I had spotted this community library like a couple of days ago on like another walk. And I was like, oh, I'm going to like drop by and see what's there. And I literally remember I like prayed to God, source energy, like the divine. <laughs> and I was like, please give me a book that I need. I literally said this. <laughs> I was like, I want to find a book that like, it, like, please give me something that I need to read right now that like I need to have in my life. And I go to this community library and open it. And every single book is a fiction book, except for this one. Hmm. Tickled. <laughs> and I was like, what's this? And it was like a nonfiction book. Like I love reading kind of like spiritual, like self-development books. Like I love that. Like right now I'm literally reading. There is a spirit. Oh, you can't even see it. No. <laughs> no. There is a spiritual solution to every problem is this ah, book very good. interesting yeah. very good um but so i found tickled and i was like wow this is a beautiful book and it didn't have the 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 cover on it it was just like the hard copy so underneath it's like that off white it was like really pretty <laughs> so, um i took it and i was like i'm gonna read this book and i started reading it and i got through like half of it throughout that trip and then kept reading it when I got back and like it changed my life honestly like (laughs) I feel like I was in such a bad spot mentally and with every like every time I picked up the book and read however many pages I had like time for um I just felt myself just like start to like kind of open up again and be like less confused I felt like at the time I read it it was when I needed because it provided me with so much clarity about my path like I felt like I was in such a confused spot in life like I don't know if I should continue to pursue that's uh something in my eye (laughs) (laughs) when Duff was writing it like during that time he's like everything is so clear He's like, I can see how clear everything is. He had clarity was a word that came up over and over because he felt very clear that that was the book he needed to write and very clear that it Uh, needed to be then. And uh, it's it's amazing that it came through that that intention. And I completely believe in that. Like I'm someone that Mm -hmm. looks for little like signs and synchronicities like that in my life. So for like me to find that book, it was like I was meant to and I was meant to read it and I was meant to go through the personal journey that kind of like ensued after I read it. And it was like literally like perfect divine timing, because as we all know, that's the only kind of timing there is. There is. Hafez has a, a poem. He's one of my favorite, um, favorite poets. And he has one that says, uh, this place where you are right now, God circled on a map for you. 
Uh, I love it. <laughs> I love that. So good, right? <laughs> so much. I've, yeah. prayed okay. book, I've prayed too that I needed a sign and I've had a book show up like exactly when I needed it. And praying works. It does. Yeah. Well, you know, what's interesting is I've written a number of other books and they were all hard work, <laughs> right? They were challenging and there were moments in them where I'm like, why the fuck am I even doing this? And Tickled was different. It came so easy, so clear, so fast. So when you asked the divine and said, give me a book I that I need right now, it basically said, here's a recent one that I just wrote for you. <laughs> because it, that one, and I'm sure you've had the feeling in dance, it came through me. I didn't make that one. It came through me. The That's other beautiful. ones, I have never felt it before, right? All the other books were hard work. This one was given to me. So let's talk about the singing. Uh, I, lo I love your singing voice, right? So enough with the self-doubt. Really it's, yeah. it's, it's, and, and it's got um, a, a kind of um, size that uh, belies your small demeanor, <laughs> your, your small stature. <laughs> um, and I was listening to um, Black in Time this morning. Mm -hmm. uh, we we just plugged in this hot new like sound bulb speaker in in the house, so <laughs> first time it's coming through. There's a great lyric in it where you said, "If I wasn't so scared to venture outside my mind, I'd be more prepared to leave my past behind." That could be in tickled, right? You're writing the, <laughs> yeah. you're writing the same book as me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what are you working on? You're I see I'm from Instagram. You're doing some duets and collaborations. What what do, what do you got cooking? So, uh, yeah, you probably just heard this uh, feature that got dropped with one of my friends. His uh, stage name is Malachi the Messenger. He's really dope. Um, I've known him for about a year, but we only recently started collaborating on, on music, actually. Um, I kind of have been putting an intention out into the universe of wanting to work with more people and collaborate because, like I said, it's been the journey of me just kind of doing my own thing this whole time. And a period of that time was locked up in my room and it was a big secret. And actually this year at the top of this year in January was when I made the transition to be like, it was literally my new year's resolution. I was like, <laughs> you know what I need to like for this year, I need to step up to the challenge. I need to do what scares me most. And I was like, it's time for me to step out of the cocoon and go and um, get into the scene. So that's what I've been doing this year. I've been meeting with like a bunch of musicians. We've been doing a bunch of jam sessions. That's where it all started. And I met the people that I'm in a band with now, actually. I'm in a band that has four other singers. Um, it's called The Pact. Um, we, this one is more like R&B, funk, soul. We do have like a couple originals that we've written together. Um, they're not released yet. Uh, we do perform them at our shows, though, and the rest are, are mostly covers for now. But hopefully, like, we'll transition into more original content. Um, that's a side thing, though. I still have, like, the whole solo thing. And that, um, that's that been going really good ever since I decided to connect with more people. It's, it's like, 100% nurtured this, like, belief in myself all over again. Because I think being in front of people and, like, 
you feel more like real as a person. Like I went through like a period of time where, because I was in my room, I was like, I don't even feel real. Like, I just feel like I'm (laughs) see-through. Like no one knows I exist and it's all just fake. I don't know what's happening. (laughs) And when you meet with real people, it really like validates your existence um, and validates your talent and working with like other amazing musicians and singers has really helped me be like, Oh, like shit. Like I really do have it. And it's amazing getting to, share that like love of music with other people. So um, I've written a couple songs with some of my bandmates. I've worked with um, Malachi the Messenger. We have like three other songs that we've already written on deck, like for release, but we haven't put them out yet, which I'm super excited about. We have one out. Um, I am also working on an EP, which I'm really mostly excited about. Um, I'm working with this producer that I found through like mutual other producers in San Diego. His name is Richie Beretta. Um, We have been working on this EP actually over the last year and it's gone through a bunch of iterations. I would say we're actually still only on the first track. Um, We made a version, scrapped it because it wasn't the right feeling or vibe. And now we've settled on a version that I think is going to make it. (laughs) Um, We haven't completely finished it yet, but I think this since this past year was like still like I was still growing as an artist and getting ready to like be the artist I'm gonna step into I feel like in this next year so in the process of starting the EP like it wasn't like I wasn't ready to be like this is my sound and this is what I want it was like kind of like a very explore exploratory process with him what's what's this button for right (laughs) yeah like (laughs) a really experienced producer um so he's worked with me and kind of mentored me to kind of figure out what it is that I'm going for. And he's been there like every step of the way trying to help me like figure that out. So I, I'm, I tend to be very impatient. I'm very like, I want to make music now. I want to release it now. I've been waiting for way too long. I have like <laughs> 50 songs in the vault. I want them out now. Um, and that was kind of the attitude I walked in with. And just kind of this past year has been like a big learning lesson in showing me that like, you can't rush creativity. And you kind of got, it's kind of got a mind of its own and you have to take it step by step and kind of more let it guide you instead of you being like, I'm the artist, I'm going to release my music. Like it's very like being an artist I'm finding is just like so much self-exploration, like all the time. Um, (laughs) And I'm not even done learning. Like, I don't think I'll ever be done learning, but Mm -hmm. um, I I think like finally now I'm in a place where I'm like, okay, cool. Like, like I got the chops. I got like, I feel like I've got a really good support system now. And I feel like I'm ready to take that next step. And I'm finally singing live. Like I've gotten over the fear of performing, which has been like, I honestly thought I never would get over that. That was like (laughs) really, really scary for me. So, um, yeah, this EP is going to have five tracks on it. I only know the first one so far. Um, I'm kind of going to get a feel for like where that first song is headed to make like the rest of my decisions about what's going to be on the project. Um, I don't even know what it's going to be called yet, but, uh, it's something that I'm really, really excited for. Cause I feel like I'm finally like growing alongside in tandem with like what I'm going to be releasing where like, I feel more ready. Like I have this project and we're going to make it. And at the same time, I'm no longer afraid to like share my talents with people and it's going to all happen together. And I'm really excited about it. You're you're ready, even from the even from the little clips uh, on Insta, like of the more recent stuff. You can hear that you're you're um, finding what you're looking for. 
that you're totally. on your way to I, finding what you're looking for. <laughs> I was I was actually scrolling back in my little reels on Instagram the other day, and I haven't done this in a while. And I was listening to stuff that I made like at the top of this past year, and I was like wow, there is a huge difference with how I'm singing now versus what I was doing and how I was showing up on camera just under a year ago. Like the difference is crazy. I feel like I've grown so much and there's like, I can see so much less like self-doubt in my eyes. And I feel like even my voice has like matured and developed in the past like eight months or so, which is crazy. It's been like exponential. So as, um, uh, uh, the, one of the VIP uh, purchasers, she didn't even purchase it. She got tickled for free. <laughs> I, I didn't even get a penny in my that's pocket. The way, that's the way grace works. Stop. As, a, right. as, as, as our first chartered VIP uh, reader fan of Tickled, uh, we, would in, we would like to invite you to a um, small uh, reception that we're having in Rockledge uh, the next time you're in the New York area. Featuring a singer, Emma Levant is going to sing a few of the tunes off her latest EP. We'd love yeah. it if you could make it. Date TBD. Yeah. TBD. We are so happy we met you. You are a burst of energy, enthusiasm, and love of life. Uh, yep. The the fact that uh, the book got us connected is, you know, that's magic. Um, Serendipity. And serendipity and also the power of the internet. Everyone shit talks the internet. We get to know you. We get to follow you. We get to appreciate your own artistic career. And it's really fun. And it was a shot in the dark where I was like, I wonder if she'll come on the show. And um, <laughs> so it turns out it was a great idea. It was the source telling me what to do again. So Emma, amazing. thank you. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Good luck. We're going to have you back. We are not uh, afraid of repeat guests on this program. Nope. So when the EP is ready. Let us know. Oh, my God. I would <laughs> love to. I can come back yeah. on and share all my accomplishments. Of course. Fantastic. <laughs> yes. Um, uh, but uh, congratulations on all of it uh, so far. Self-doubt's a killer. Don't have any. You're awesome uh, in all the ways. Uh, including your appreciation of uh, fine writing. <laughs> it was wonderful. Thank you for writing that. You, you changed my life. Thank Aww. you, Emma. It's great to have you. Thanks, Emma. It was so great to have you. Such an honor to meet you both. So uh, we are back here uh, two days later. Uh, I know that the magic of the internet may make you think that <laughs> it's only <laughs> no seconds time after. has passed. No time has passed after we were talking to Emma. However, um, we had a chance to ruminate uh, in that time. And what a uh, little burst of energy she is. She's just delightful. What a sweetheart. And when I say little, I didn't mean five feet tall, but <laughs> uh, she, is, there she is. She is a little rocket of of energy and enthusiasm. And it was so great to hear someone talk about how um, they are not going to be constrained by what anyone else thinks they may be able to do. That's great. I love that she prayed for a book and found tickled. I love that. Okay. It works. On which note... Um, 
I've got one for you. This is a little unusual. Okay. But I'm the boss, so. <laughs> so Emma talked about asking God to show her a book, and that's when she found Tickled. And I was reading our friend Swami Abedananda, and he had this definition of, like, there's a lot of talk about self-care in our current culture, right? Right. Um, s some of which seems to involve getting pedicures, uh, right. some of which seems to involve taking vacation days. <laughs> and anything you need, right? Anything you need. But it's all it's all very um, it seems to me a lot of it is focused on what I want, what I want. I don't care what you want. I want what I want. And Swami Abedananda had a different um, definition. He was talking about something called self-culture. And I wanted to read it to you. It's interesting. Okay. Um, he says here, in the mode of our living, if we would examine it, we will find a great many things we have not noticed. This self-examining is very helpful. The more we learn to examine ourselves and find our own faults instead of finding the faults of others, the better we are and the more progress we make in our own path. This is really self-culture, which means studying our own character and trying to remove all the defects by performing such acts as will purify our hearts by holding the thoughts which will make us unselfish and bring unto us the reflection or remembrance of the Supreme. That is something necessary. And that self-culture is really the path on which the individual soul travels. And the destination of that path is the attainment of God consciousness. There is no other way. Yeah, I think, one that's beautiful. And he's saying, you've got it. Everything's got to be done from the inside out. Right. And I think our modern day culture, you know, it's like, uh, Kabir said, this world's got its pants on backwards. We do everything from the outside in. And it's really, um, you got to go to the heart first, take right. care of that. And a vacation day is fine. And a pedicure is fine, but that's not actual <laughs> yeah. self care. That is caring for the body or caring for yeah. the mind. The self is something deeper. And uh, our way to the true self is to shake off all the imperfections of our small self. So the job is not for you to say, I'm tired of all these people making me <laughs> stressed and I need a day off, right? The job is for you to look inside, and he says, and find your own faults instead of finding the faults of others. Yeah, I like that too. But there are baby steps, you know, if you need to start with the pedicure, that's okay. Start with the pedicure. Fine. Fine. <laughs> okay. So, um, to the, in the spirit of Emma, mm -hmm. who, uh, makes me, uh, so excited for her, the idea that she's like, I was a ballerina for m my entire life and now I'm a singer and I'm diving in head first. Um, the only thing holding us back is our sense of our own imperfection and limitations. Here's Swami Abednanda again. A soul outgrowing all limitations comes in direct contact with the infinite being. 
and feels that the infinite being is manifesting not only in human beings, but also through all animals and all vegetables and, and all animate and inanimate objects of the universe. The essence of the animate and inanimate objects of the universe is the supreme spirit. He is all pervading. He dwells in all that we have. Amen. There's there is glory everywhere. And the only thing holding you back is your sense of limitation and a sense that you cannot do that thing that you can most certainly do. And thank you, Emma Levant, for making us remember that all it takes is a little courage and pluck and determination <laughs> and also um, hard work, right? Yeah. It's, um, you, can't, you, uh, you can't have it for free. Nope. Enthusiasm carries you through. Thank you very much, Emma Levant, for spending time with us today. She is our VIP uh, gold <laughs> ring member of the Tickled Fan Club <laughs> with all the associated uh, privileges. Uh, no, you're an inspiration. Thank you for talking to us. Thank you, listeners, yeah. for listening. We'll be back in a week. Bye-bye. You've been listening to How to Tickle Yourself with your host, Duff McDonald, and me, Joey of Rockledge. You can help us by liking, subscribing, and sharing this podcast with others. You can talk to us and see what else is happening on Instagram and Facebook at How to Tickle Yourself. This program was recorded in Studio B of the historic Rockledge Recording Studio. Right here, right now, our original 16-part theme music was written and recorded by the legendary Paul Reddick and Kyle Ferguson of The Sidemen with Steve Mariner on bass and drums and in the mixing room. This podcast is produced and distributed by Storic Media. Our editor is Oscar Desiderio. Our producers are Kristen Verbitsky and Chuck LaBella. For more information, visit storicmedia.com. That's S-T-O-R-I-C media.com. Moments 